Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. <laughs> It's a football Friday unlike anything we have ever seen before. Here's how it sounded on Thursday night football between the Steelers and the Browns. Eight seconds left. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Rips the helmet off Rudolph's head and then eventually swings it and hits him in the head. And then Ogan Joby comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, oh, Joe. Gosh, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. I second that. Never seen anything like this. Couple of hockey examples I will mention later on. It is a football Friday here. On home and home, radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker on the road for Army, uh, preparing for a college football broadcast. But, Ross, the story, everyone has seen the video by this point. Miles Garrett fighting with Mason Rudolph, Steelers quarterback, tears his helmet off, swings it at him. Hits him in the head. In my estimation, the most violent thing I've ever seen on a professional sports field. Lucky, lucky, lucky was Miles Garrett that he didn't hit him in the head with the crown of the helmet. Would have ended his career. And in my estimation, could have killed him. That is a deadly weapon with one of the biggest, strongest men in the NFL. Your reaction to Miles Garrett and the fight that is resonating across the country. Well, I think what you just said, Dave, is my first reaction, which is I am so thankful that Mason Rudolph was not hurt more significantly because I'm frankly shocked that he's not. I, I would think that a hit on the head from a guy like Miles Garrett with the helmet could, number one, have potentially killed him at a minimum, you know, brain damage. I am stunned and I, I guess pleasantly surprised that Mason Rudolph was not hurt worse because I, I would have thought that that would have been much, much worse. So there is no real positive in this situation, but the best thing is that thankfully... Mason Rudolph apparently escaped without, uh, you know, any type of serious injury, which is shocking, like I said. As for the act by Miles Garrett himself, uh, 
I would agree. I think it's the worst thing I've seen on NFL field. I got to tell you, I, I'm surprised that it happened. I'm not shocked. Uh, you know, I, I was in a situation in a practice one time, and we can get into the details later, where uh, a teammate of mine got my helmet off, swung it at my head, uh, and I've often thought about what would have happened if he connected. You know, I see a lot of people on social media saying, how could you ever do that? You know, what is Miles Garrett thinking? He's not thinking. Like, have you ever been in a fight? Like, you're not in a right frame of mind when you're in a physical encounter like that where you are feeling threatened or any type of... You're not thinking at all. That doesn't make it okay. He should be suspended the rest of the year. We'll get into that. But my point is... You're not thinking. I'm not shocked. Uh, I'm a little surprised it happened, but to be honest with you, Dave, I'm probably more surprised that it hasn't happened before or doesn't happen more often because you get a guy's helmet off, you're in that rage. You know, frankly, if, if I was in that situation, I'd like to think, and I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't do it. I'd like to think I wouldn't do it. If I did do it, I'd be wrong. You should never do it. It's a horrible thing. But it wouldn't shock me if I was in a fight and I got the other guy's helmet off if I would swing it at him. Wow. Just something we, we've never heard, we've never seen. James Harrison played the game as violent as anyone we've ever seen. Um, tweeted this. That's assault at the least. Six months in jail on the street, now add the weapon, and that's at least a year right. Yes, that James Harrison played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a legend of the game, played it physical. That's what James Harrison tweeted last night. Let's listen to the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Uh, this was a Bedlam rematch for him and Mason Rudolph, and Bedlam doesn't begin to describe what happened in this game. Called out his teammate both on the field with Aaron Andrews and at the post-game podium, listen to Baker. Um, I didn't see why it started, um, but it's inexcusable. Uh, it, you know, I don't, I don't care rivalry or not, uh, we can't do that. That's... Uh, that's kind of the history uh, of you know what's been going on here lately, hurting yourself, and that's just endangering the other team. That's inexcusable. He knows that. Um, I hope he does now. It's just it's tough. Um, we'll see. Mason Rudolph, a friend of yours, Miles Garrett, a uh, teammate of yours. What were you saying to your teammates over there to kind of calm everybody down? Uh, I don't think there's anything in that moment that I can really say to calm him down. Uh, you know what? The, the reality is he, he's going to get suspended. Uh, we don't know how long, and that hurts our team. And we can't do that. We can't continue to hurt this team. Uh, that's it's inexcusable. Uh, Miles can gain his respect back um, by handling like a man how uh, any of us in this organization would do it. Um, you know, being apologetic, owning up to it, uh, learning from it. Uh, this is a, a physical, violent game that if uh, there's moments if you don't keep your cool, um, bad things can happen. And he knows that. I said it on the field after. It's inexcusable. He knows that. Baker Mayfield taking some real leadership 
for the Cleveland Browns, played a pretty decent football game, threw a couple of touchdowns, and by the way, won the football game 21-7, to although Odell Beckham Jr. said afterward, felt like we lost that game. This hangs a pale over the rest of their season, their best player on the field, now gone for how long, Ross? Well, he's going to be done for the rest of the season. I don't think there's any question about that. He should be done for the rest of the season. I think that the two questions at this point are whether or not the discipline goes into next year, um, which I think is a possibility, but probably not. You know, uh, they are what, you know, 10 games in now. I think he's suspended for the rest of the year. And that's probably it. And that's probably right. It probably times out exactly perfect. The other question, of course, whether or not it's a criminal act, we can get into that. But as for the discipline, I believe Miles Garrett will be suspended for the rest of the year. I think he should. You just can't have that. Uh, I mean, that's a horrible, horrible thing for everybody involved. And like I said, I, I keep coming back to I am so glad that Mason Rudolph is not hurt worse. So thankful and frankly shocked because Miles Garrett is huge. He swung it. He hit him pretty hard on the head. And yet Mason Rudolph appears okay, which is stunning. Garrett's done for the year. I mean, I'm sure he'll appeal it just as a matter of policy, but I would be shocked if Miles Garrett plays football again this season, he shouldn't. He did a horrible thing, uh, which could have had life-altering consequences. And so now he'll have to pay the piper. Ross, am I being dramatic that that could have killed him, that could have caused brain damage, that could have ended Mason Rudolph's career? Not at all. No, you're not being dramatic at all. And I've thought of it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get into it here, Dave. My second year in the NFL – was playing for the Redskins. We were, um, you know, it was practice. I knew I was on thin ice with the Redskins because I had played bad in the Monday night game. So I was practicing hard. And LeVar Arrington, one of our best players, uh, did not care for it. Told me a couple times I was practicing too hard. I said, LeVar, I, I got to do what I got to do here, bud. And yeah. so he came off the edge in practice. And I went to block him. And as soon as I engaged with him, he just started Okay, having a little bit of an audio issue with Ross, who is on the road preparing for a West Point football broadcast. Let me tell you about the cops right now. There is nothing to really compare this to in terms of the damage that could have been done with the helmet of Mason Rudolph, swung from one of the biggest, strongest, baddest men in the NFL. Ross backs me up, could have caused brain damage, could have killed him, could have certainly ended Mason Rudolph's career. The only cops I can think of 2006, Albert Hainsworth, the stomp on the face. He got five games. That was 2006. To me, this is far more violent. Ross is back with us, and you can continue with the story regarding LeVar Arrington doing something similar at practice. Yeah, so anyway, I, I was punching him, Dave, in the head, you know, with his helmet on. Uh, we, we were kind of together like this, and while I was punching him, he was able to get my helmet off. And the next thing I know, I look at LeVar, and he takes my Redskins helmet and swings like that as hard as he can. And thank goodness he missed. 
And I've thought often about what could have happened if he connected. I, I believe it would have been life altering for me, whether that would be uh, whether I died or brain damage or whatever. Um, you know, that, that helmet's like 10 pounds. And to swing it like that, that violently, it's like a weapon. It's like any other weapon. And if that would have connected with me, it would have been um, it would have been really scary. Just as a side note, Dave, they came over and broke up that fight. They pinned our arms next to, you know, so that we couldn't get our arms out to break it up. Somehow, while we were pinned, LeVar got his right arm out. And LeVar hit me with a right cross. My arms are pinned, can't defend myself. Right cross, right to the side of the head over here. And just so people know the way the NFL works, if anything, my offensive line coach was mad at me because I lost the fight, uh, because LeVar got that at the end. Blood pretty much just started kind of gushing from my ear onto my white redskin shirt and onto my pants for the rest of practice. And uh, what ended up happening was I went back out there, finished the rest of practice, came in after practice, and um, they had to give me four stitches in my ear because he split my ear up there. And then they wanted to x-ray my right hand because my hand was so bruised, even though I had a glove on, from punching him in the helmet that they actually thought that I might have broken my hand. Um, and just a funny aside, I'm 23, Dave. I called my wife on the way home. She was my girlfriend at the time. And I asked her how her day at work was. And she's like, oh, it was not good. At lunchtime, Jessica said, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 whatever, right? And then she said, well, how was your day? And I was like, well, kind of a tough day at the office. Uh, LeVar swung my helmet at me. I almost died. I got four stitches in my ear. Coaches were pissed because I lost the fight. Got my hand x-rayed uh, because they thought I broke it, and it's killing me right now. But tell me more about what Jessica said at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably gave her some proper perspective on that story and just stopped her in her tracks. She didn't keep going, right? No, no, no. Okay. No. And that was probably not and that was probably not right of me to do. You know, she didn't know what happened. But it's just funny to think like I'm 23, like that was my job. She's working for JP Morgan, like that's her job. And I call her after work and I said, how was your day? I said, well, kind of a tough day at the office. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, it's funny, but that's true. So I got to tell you, Dave, I am, I'm not surprised that he swung the helmet. Like I, I, I'm not that, I, I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked. I, I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more often. Like, and I'm not surprised LeVar swung my helmet at me. Like, I don't know how many people on Twitter have been in fights or not, but like when you get to the point where you are punching someone else and they are trying to physically injure and hurt you and you are trying to physically and injure them, there is no like, there's no thought for this isn't a good idea. 
I shouldn't do this. Like you, your primal right. instincts as a human being take over and you do things that you wouldn't otherwise ever do in any way, shape or form in life. Again, that doesn't condone what Miles Garrett did. Not at all. He's going to be disciplined heavily. He should. He should be suspended. But I see all these people on Twitter saying, what was he thinking? How could he do that? Number one, he wasn't thinking. Number two, he did that because when you're in a fight, you are in a totally different frame of mind that evidently most people can ever conjure. Based on Twitter, a lot of people have clearly never been in a fight. And that's okay. It's good. It's good that you've never been in a fight. But like, it, it's a, it, it's all bets are off. It's, it's a fight. Like, it's just, I'm surprised how many people don't realize what you're capable of when you're in that situation. Not entirely clear what initiated the situation. What did Mason Rudolph do? There are some photos that lead to some questions, but it was strange that there was eight seconds left in this football game, a game that had already been won 21 to seven, that Miles Garrett would have been elevated to that level of adrenaline. Who is Miles Garrett? One of the first things I thought of was recall Miles Garrett sucker punched in the face by someone pretending to be a fan, wanting to get a selfie in his car, and Miles Garrett didn't even react, didn't run down and beat the living hell out of this fan like I might have, like Ross Tucker may have. So this is not clearly his nature. He is not a violent guy off the football field, but to Ross's point, all bets are off in the heat of the moment. Two incidents came to mind for me that were criminal, and I'll tell you why this is not. Both of them were in the NHL. Todd Bertuzzi, for those of you that are hockey fans, charged with criminal assault, causing bodily harm for ending the career of the Colorado Avalanche's Steve Moore. Also, Marty McSorley, another NHL player, found guilty of assault with a weapon, sentenced to 18 months probation for slashing Donald Brashear with a stick to his head. Those are the two most violent incidents I've ever seen in my sports journalism, sports fan career. Those were criminal because they both happened in the same city, but more importantly, in the same country, Canada. They both happened in Vancouver. Canada does not have protection for athletes inside the arena, inside a stadium, inside a field. Here in the United States, we do have those protections. So no, to answer James Harrison, that's assault at the least. You may like it to be, it is not criminal. Should it be a long suspension? Bare minimum six, six games. I think it has to last into next year. When you take into context, Vontez Burfecht, that incident was in week four. Now that was a lot because of prior incidents and a pattern of behavior. Week four it happened though, and he was suspended rest of season. We should hear from... The man himself, Miles Garrett, also the head coach, Freddie Kitchens. Listen. I made a mistake. I lost my cool and you know, I regret. You know, it's 
it's going to come back to, to hurt our team. You know, the guys who, who jumped in the, the, the little scrum, I appreciate you know, my team having my back, but it just never got to that point. That's on me. How tough is it for you guys to play the game, kind of game you did and then to have it all seem to be overshadowed by, by that play? Uh, a win's a win. I don't think it's overshadowed by and what happens in, in eight seconds. I never okay fights. Did I want them to get after their ass? Yes, I did. But that's not fighting. That's not after the whistle. But that's between the whistles, yes. I never condone fighting on a football field because that's penalties. I don't coach penalties. I don't coach false starts. I don't coach after the whistle uh, grabbing somebody's face mask. I don't coach that. So I don't know what you're talking about with Indianapolis when I condone fighting. That's putting words in my mouth. I've never in my life condoned a fight. So that's the head coach, Freddie Kitchens. This is not on Freddie, who has not done a great job as head coach thus far. But look, got a big win against the Steelers last night. But it comes in this context. No one is penalized more than the Cleveland Browns, not in terms of number of penalties or even close in terms of penalty yardage. This is a very undisciplined team. How about the context of who Miles Garrett is, Ross? How much should that play in? And what can you tell us about that, the type of character that he possesses? Well, here's the thing, Dave. I didn't think, I had no idea he had this in him. You know, one of my concerns about Miles Garrett during the pre-draft process was that the guy is like really into poems. He loves writing poetry. He loves dinosaurs. He's like a dinosaur historian. And just listening to him talk and his interests during the pre-draft process, I just couldn't think of any, you know, defensive linemen that were really like him. And I think it's twofold, right? Number one, I didn't know he had it in him. And on some level, in the sport of football, that's a positive. He obviously went way, way, way too far. But the fact that he has that in him tells you that he's a lot more aggressive, physical, violent, all those things than I thought. And secondly, boy, you really cannot judge a book by its cover. You know, anything a guy does or any way he behaves or acts outside the field has nothing to do with what they are inside the field. And I'll tell you, Dave, um, you know, I can remember during my fourth or fifth year in the NFL, our center uh, for the Bills, uh, Trey Teague, told my future father-in-law, we were engaged at the time, that uh, I was the meanest guy in the league, or at least the meanest guy he had ever played with. Um, I don't think anybody that knows me, my friends, they don't look at me like that, you know, I'm kind of a happy-go-lucky, big goofball, whatever. Uh, but when I played football, uh, I just, I just was different. I don't know how to describe it. I didn't, I didn't really think it was fun unless I was out there trying to physically punish people. I felt like that was the way the sport should be played. I never tried to injure anyone intentionally. Uh, actually, that's not true. I did once for sure, but I didn't. I didn't really. 
try to injure people often. There's a kid from Colgate that was really annoying me. Um, but in the NFL, I never tried to injure anybody. But I tried to physically hurt them and punish them every play. I mean, that's the game. I want to hit you so hard that it hurts. I want to drive you into the ground such that it hurts. So I guess I should have already known that you can't really judge a book by its cover because I'm sure people uh, were surprised at how a guy that went to Princeton played in, in my case. Uh, but Miles Garrett just totally reinforced that because some of the concerns I had during the pre-draft process, um, you know, he totally alleviated those. And now the concerns are actually on the opposite. You know, he gets too many roughing the passer penalties. He gets too many. He puts himself in this position where he's going to be suspended. He's going to lose all the money for the rest of the year. And the Browns had a chance to have some momentum for the rest of this year. That's going to be gone now. He's their best player by a lot. Um, and so now the concerns I had were I do a total 180. Now he's like a liability out there on some level. Cannot judge a book by its cover. This probably squashes any hope the Browns are going to go on an amazing run and make the postseason. Now as for the quarterback, Mason Rudolph, his agent tweeting, quote, there are many risks an NFL QB assumes with every snap taken on the field, being hit on your uncovered head by a helmet, being swung by a 275-pound defensive end is not one of them. And here's the key. Tonight could have had a catastrophic ending, the matter will be reviewed thoroughly. His agent, obviously a lawyer, younger and associates, could they be reviewing civil action? I have told you this is not criminal, not on the United States. That makes it sound like civil action could be considered and it certainly could be warranted if they chose. Let's hear from Mason Rudolph about the incident. Mason, have you ever seen anything like that in football? Um, not in my years, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I thought it was pretty cowardly, kind of pretty bush league, which, you know, there's plenty of tape out there to watch. I haven't seen it replay, but yes, I'm, I really haven't seen it anything like that yet. How do you feel? I'm fine. I'm good. Good to go. Do you think he should be suspended for the rest of the I, year? I don't, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know, but I know it's bush league. I know he's, you know, total coward move on his part. You know, I, I, get, I mean, it's, it's okay, though. You know, I'll take it. I'm not, not going to back down from any bully you know, out there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. End of a brutal night otherwise for Mason Rudolph. We will talk more about the actual football being played last night. He threw four picks and certainly does not look like the long-term answer for the Pittsburgh Steelers even after Ben Roethlisberger is done. And they are bruised and they are battered. The defense, yes, has played some good football, but now James Conner is hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster is hurt, and they look like a team that doesn't have a shot to go on the run that we talked about they might yesterday. One last thing on this I want to ask you about, Ross, and it's Marquise Pouncey, Pittsburgh Steelers' teammate of Mason Rudolph, who says he was in protection mode, kicking and punching violently. How long should he be suspended? Well, that's a good question, Dave, and that is – Probably a, a much longer discussion. Garrett's done for the year, maybe, and then some. And I'm glad that he's not going to face criminal charges based on what you looked up. Because I don't know very many NFL players that think he should. I'm frankly shocked 
that James Harrison said what he did. I think most NFL players, probably even Mason Rudolph, would tell you that what happens inside the white lines should be adjudicated by the people that control that, which is the NFL. He's going to lose a lot of money. He's going to miss the rest of the season. And frankly, his reputation is now besmirched forever. So I'm, I, I don't think he should face criminal charges. As for Pouncey, he's going to be suspended because it's a bad look to have a player kicking another player. But I can tell you this right now, I don't know any NFL players that will think Pouncey should be suspended. And in fact, I think most NFL players will salute what Pouncey did and believe he did absolutely the right thing. That went beyond football. And you get to a point where it, it's, it's past football and you need to protect your teammate. Um, I'd like to think, Dave, that I would have done the exact same thing that Marquise Pouncey would do. I don't have any problem with what he did. In fact, I'm not going to go so far as to call him a hero, but I will say he did the right thing in my mind. He'll probably be suspended two to four games because the NFL has to do that and send that message. And I think that's a shame because he was trying to break it up until Garrett swung that helmet. Boy, I absolutely disagree with you there. I think Marquise Pouncey should be spended at least two games. There is not a defensive posture that it looked like he was in. And the guy he was kicking and punching was not Mason Rudolph. It was Ogunjobi, uh, who was down on the ground. I, I think at least a two-game suspension, which covers the next meeting for these two teams, which I think is in something like 17 days, which, boy, is that going to be a sight. Uh, Pittsburgh Tribune lead article there says from Tim Benz, Marquise Pouncey should not be suspended for defending Mason Rudolph in the melee. They agree with you. I very much do not. Uh, we've got a lot more to discuss on this story, and we haven't talked much about the football game won by the Browns. Two straight that Baker Mayfield failed to turn the ball over, which is a big step forward for him. Cleveland wins at 21-7. After a quick break, we're going to talk to uh, the man behind sad SEC fans on Twitter. What is that? Well, you might be watching a football or basketball game thinking, man, those fans in the SEC are some of the saddest bunch of suckers you have ever seen when their team is losing. In particular, Alabama football, Kentucky basketball, and it's been a tough week on both behalves. Uh, we'll hear from the man behind it in just a sec, Ross. But first, I got to make sure everybody knows about ZipRecruiter because hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter 
get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Sad SEC fans after a quick break. Have you ever been sitting there watching an SEC football game? Might have been LSU, Alabama, and seen the cutaways to those sad, teary-eyed, devastated fans and thought, damn, those fans might be the saddest in all of sports today. Well, you are not alone. One young man thought those faces were just so good, he started a Twitter feed, Sad SEC Fans. Jeff joins us now. He started that Twitter feed at Sad SEC Fans. Good to talk to you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs and former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker. What made you start a Twitter feed dedicated to Sad SEC Fans, and did you live in that part of the country? Hey, guys. Um, in Atlanta right now, so certainly in SEC country. First of all, it does feel a little strange to uh, talk about something fun and tongue-in-cheek after what you guys just discussed a few minutes ago, but uh, we'll have a little fun with this, hopefully. Um, but it all started with a particular game. It was the beginning of the 2016 season. Tennessee, who was ranked in the top 10 preseason, they had some lofty goals. They were hosting Appalachian State, and App State was just one or two years removed from uh, moving up into the FBS division after they had won all those championships and had a little bit of connection to App State at the time. My brother went there and um, had been rooting for them, went to some games with him and was part of their big championship run going to some of those games at the FCS level. Um, so I had a rooting interest in App State and ended up being a very interesting game to open the season. Um, it went to overtime. Tennessee did, in fact, win in overtime, but it was a shock to many people that they even went there. Um, there was a great shot of a fan Late in the fourth quarter, a Tennessee guy had lifted his shirt up over his head. And um, if you view my account, it's the pinned tweet to the top of that now. And I just snapped a picture of it and sent it to my brother and said, hey, look at this guy. It's pretty funny. And my brother got a kick out of it. And some of my buddies got a kick out of it and said, post it online and see what happens. Let's see if we can have some fun and maybe enjoy this as we watch football every day. And now I'm just a regular guy sitting on my couch every Saturday watching it and watching as much as I can and looking for those fans. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, Jeff, I don't like you very much because I thought this was my idea, okay? I <laughs> thought after that Bama-LSU game on Saturday where they kept cutting away to the sorority girls, I thought I had a billion-dollar idea, sadsororitygirls.com, because it was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. But it looks like you got the jump on me. It looks like, once again, I'm not as creative as I thought I would be. Uh, what has been some of the response that you've gotten? And have you gotten any negative feedback from people that are in the pictures? So I've, it's certainly interesting. I have heard from people that I've caught in the pictures. So there's been a few replies and some people that have contacted me directly via Twitter saying, hey, that was me. And um, some people certainly ha have fun with it and realize that it's just a football game and they may be disappointed, but life goes on. Um, and then there's some other folks that are a little salty about it saying, Oh, you maybe you love the Florida Gators or you love Georgia or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I certainly don't really have any rooting interest in any of the games. I just like watching them and hoping for sadness. 
at SEC, sad SEC fans on Twitter is the feed. Who is the saddest of them all in the conference? Um, so I think at, at this moment, it's certainly probably Alabama. I think throughout the season, at least at the beginning of the season, I was, I felt like I was spending all my time on Tennessee. Um, they've certainly been on a little downturn a little, uh, last season or two. Um, but for the most part, what I look for is I want to see a home team that's being upset. So anytime you get the home team that's losing and being upset, it's just going to be gold, and I'm going to have all kinds of chances to find some fans. So here's my question. Um, do any other conferences even compare? Do you only watch SEC because it's the Twitter handle, or do you watch other conferences? And is it even close? Because when I watch, I just don't see nearly the same sad fans, especially sorority girls, as I do in the SEC. Yes, I've thought of that. And I, I typically just watch all of college football. I'm just I'm just going to be sitting on my couch at noon on a Saturday, and I'm staying there till hopefully midnight and watching games all day long. Um, it does certainly seem like the SEC has maybe has a little bit more passion, um, or maybe it's just CBS 330 broadcasts and those directors and producers on that TV show seem to find a way to find everybody. But um, I've had folks that have even sent me fans um, via direct message on Twitter saying, oh, you should post this one, and it's somebody from Michigan or somebody from Oklahoma or whatever it is. And I certainly get a kick out of that. But most of my focus, at least in terms of tracking the fans, is in the SEC. So it wasn't just a tough week for Alabama. It was a brutal night a few nights ago for Kentucky. The number one team in the country loses to Evansville at Rupp Arena. Has there been a sadder sight than those fans in your college basketball history? Yeah, I was trying to think back on that. I, I, there's certainly some times in the tournament where it's, it's, it's a bigger moment. Um, I definitely recall Tennessee last year in the tournament. I believe it was maybe the Elite Eight game or the Sweet 16 game. They had some real sad fans. But um, it's funny how that Kentucky game happened. I was just, you know, it's just me doing this by myself. So certainly life gets in the way of it. And I just happened to see a buzz on my phone that Kentucky was on the ropes late in the second half of that game and happened to turn it on and managed to, in the 20 minutes I was watching it, snap a bunch of them. But uh, I think the thing about college basketball is obviously Kentucky still has it all to play for and it's not going to affect their season drastically like uh, like the Alabama loss probably this past weekend did. So here's my question. Are, are we monetizing this bad boy at all? And if not, how can we? I'm right there with you. So at this point, it's, it's not being monetized. I, I certainly never had intentions of doing that. It was just, again, it was just me sitting on my couch watching games. Um, you know, it's certainly kind of taken off at a small level at this point. I don't know if it's gone viral or anything yet, but uh, if it gets to the point where I can certainly make a few bucks of it, I'm all ears and be willing to <laughs> take any ideas. All right. Well, we would need to ex we would need to expand it a little bit. I've got some ideas, um, but I th I think we can I think we can if we pump this thing up enough. Maybe we'll talk offline. We pump this thing up enough. I think we'll get more followers for you, and then we can get to the point where we maybe we're uh, maybe we're monetizing it. Well, first I need to get my wife on the line with you. She's already disappointed with the amount of football I'm watching on a Saturday. So if we have to expand this at all, I'm going to need that you to clear that with her first. No, I can already see it though, man. <laughs> We're going to, I'm going to tweet it some more followers because obviously right. we need some more followers. And then, and then once more people know about it or they're aware of it, 
then I can just picture the ads right now. Like you have three tweets in a row of sad SEC girls, and then the next tweet is, the only thing that can make you feel better on a Saturday after a loss like this is a delicious number one from Chick-fil-A. Boom. Yeah, I hear you on that. It was a billion-dollar idea. Boom, you're welcome. Or how about uh, maybe maybe get a little sponsorship from Kleenex and say wipe up those tears with, with some Kleenex tissue. How's that? Love it, love it, love it. Or, or um, hey, this game stinks. Our team lost. Go get a bottle of tequila and a case of a double IPA and have yourself a night. Presented by <laughs> SadSECFans.com. I like it. All right, at Sad SEC Fans is the feed. It's a billion-dollar idea with the brains of Ross Tucker now behind you, Jeff. We appreciate the time. We love the feed. We will continue to use those sad images here on Home and Home. Thank you, my friend. You got it. Thanks, guys. See ya. Ross, one more sad college football image this coming weekend, and it's Notre Dame. The sellout streak, the longest active sellout streak in college football dating back to 1973 will come to an end this weekend against Navy. Does that make you sad? Yeah, it does. Uh, Cause I don't really understand why Navy's like seven and one. I think Navy's good. Navy's ranked. Navy's ranked. And usually Navy brings a pretty decent following because of they're the Navy and Notre Dame. I know they have a couple losses, but still I, I'm very surprised. I, I, is there anybody talking about the reasoning for it? I guess I'm just surprised that it's going to end on this game. I mean, they played Bowling Green earlier this year. You know, and you're going to, it's going to end on Navy in a November game when maybe they think Notre Dame's going to lose. I, I don't know. It is very strange to me and also odd that they announced it early in the week. But here is the quote based on ticket sales through Wednesday. We do not anticipate sellouts for our games against Navy and Boston College. That might be even more surprising. Yes, Navy is ranked, but Boston College still for a lot of people in South Bend is one of their few true rivals. That's according to the AD Jack Swarbrick, the longest sellout streak, if in fact he's right still belongs to Nebraska. They have the all-time longest active sellout streak, but sad for the folks in Notre Dame, but perhaps the AD is saying that to generate some last-second enthusiasm and to get people to run out, buy tickets, and maybe keep that thing going. Not a Notre Dame fan in particular, but I sure hope they find a way to keep that sellout streak going. Also, some sad football fans in the city of Detroit because the Lions when everything seemed to be going pretty well earlier this season, in particular, the play of Matt Stafford, the quarterback has really been outstanding. Felt like Matt Patricia was beginning to turn the corner. And then you just look down and they're three, five and one taking on the Cowboys this weekend. Let's talk about it with Will Birchfield from 97, one, the ticket, a radio.com affiliate there in the city of Detroit. Good to talk to you, Will. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, are you surprised how this season has gone, given that it, at least from the outside looking in, it felt like things were really turning around? Yeah, I am. The biggest surprise for me is the fact that Matt Patricia's defense has been terrible, and he was brought here to fix the defense. He was brought here as a supposed defensive mastermind, some rocket scientist who would uh, make the Lions a formidable defense. And they were top 10 in the league last year. They had a great second half. And this year, 
everything has fallen apart. And he has the players he wants, and he has the system in place that he had in place in New England, but it has not clicked this year. And the Lions offense has been one of the best in the league from start to finish. Daryl Bevel's been great in his first year. Matthew Stafford was playing MVP-type football. But the Lions' defense has let them down time and again. Um, I checked this stat last week. The Lions lead the league in points per game and losses. So their offense is doing everything it can to win games. But the defense, which is Patricia's baby, has been terrible. And, and that falls directly on his shoulder. So it has been a surprise, yeah. Yeah, and uh, let, let's get to the Patricia or, or to the Stafford part for a second. Because yeah. last week, you know, uh, I said earlier in the week, I like the Lions to beat the Bears. We had no idea that Matthew Stafford might not play. Like, when did the injury happen? I guess he had yeah. finished the game before. And, like, what happened? And what do you think is going to happen with his status for Sunday? So the injury happened late in the Raiders game. He was scrambling on their last drive for a first down. He got stood up, took a big hit. That's when it apparently happened. And then he seemed fine throughout the week. He spoke on Wednesday, said he'd be good to go, said he would play. They had a second back scan Friday night, and that revealed kind of the extent of the injury. And, and they talked about it over the weekend, and by Sunday morning, team doctors decided that it wasn't safe for him to play. And it was a shock because Matthew Stafford, as you guys know, has dealt with a litany of injuries uh, in his career, and he hadn't missed a game since 2010, which was the second longest streak of, among active quarterbacks. Where it goes from here, no one's really sure. He, right now, he's week to week. He has not practiced this week, so it's doubtful he plays Sunday. If the Lions continue to lose, as it looks like they probably will again this week, I'd be surprised if Stafford plays more than a few more games, if any at all, this season. I think they're best served by giving him rest. There were thoughts that the back injury he sustained last year when he played through broken bones has lingered into this season. And if that's the case, they need to let that thing fully heal because they're going nowhere without Stafford. And even at his best this season, they were going nowhere as it was. Talking to Will Birchfield, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. I just got to back up. Are you suggesting there's a possibility? Are you hearing there is a distinct possibility that they sit down Matt Stafford for the rest of the way? It'd be, it'd be against his wishes for sure. He was asked about it on, on Monday, and he said that's not a thought in his mind at the moment. At the moment kind of gives you pause, though, because it suggests that if things begin to spiral, uh, um, and they already are to an extent, that that might be the best course of action for them. And that's going to put Patricia in a very tough spot because his seat's already getting a little bit hot. And if he has a backup quarterback here for the final seven games, it's only going to make his job and, and his position more precarious. So, so we'll see. But – Certainly, I'd be I'd be shocked to see him play this Sunday against the Cowboys. Well, I got to tell you, what's weird to me about this is I feel like the Lions are pretty good. Like I've watched the Lions a lot this year; they're like the best three, five, and one team I think I've ever seen. Like I don't feel that bad about the Lions. Am I crazy? Maybe a little bit crazy. Um, I think you're right in the sense that they're one of only three teams this year that has been in the lead in every one of their games. So, you know, they're right there. But the problem is Patricia talks about being right there a lot and how if you play winning and fundamentally sound football, you'll get over the hump in those games. And they haven't done that. And, again, that's that, that falls on him. You come back to the defense because, like you said, they do look good offensively, and they've done enough to win in a lot of games. But um, the defense has to be better, 
and it's let them down throughout this year. And that's the biggest reason they're three, five, and one here in week ten. Yeah, I mean, you look at the season, uh, it's just remarkable. They should have beaten Kansas City. I thought they outplayed them, just some late bad breaks. They beat Philly, a one-point loss to Green Bay, to Ross's point. To me, easily the best 3-5-1 team I've seen. So at what point is Matt Patricia in actual trouble, or is there no question they have confidence in him coming back next season? You know, having spoken to a few people before this season, it's going to take a lot for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, for that matter, to end up um, in in real danger come come January. The number I was told, if you know, if they finish with fewer than five wins, then then ownership is going to have to take a, a long, hard look at whether they're the right duo moving forward. But um, I, I think they'll be safe. They were brought here to kind of overhaul this thing from the previous regime, and that takes more than two years. So. I think they still have some some latitude, but um, next year's is when things really stand to get dicey. So let me t- talk to me about what they look like moving forward, though, in terms of next year. Like, do you, what else is there on the team that's a positive to build on going next year, assuming they have a, a healthy Stafford back? Yeah, well, probably the biggest positive this year is is Kenny Galladay at receiver has emerged as a, a you know undisputed number one receiver, and, and that's a third round pick. That's easily Bob Quinn's best pick in, in his tenure here. Um, that's encouraging. It's, Stafford's play alone this year is encouraging, only because last year was was a pretty big step back for him, and Daryl Bevel has kind of gotten him back to um, his gunslinging ways, which which is really when he's at his best. They the the question on offense is who can run the ball for this team? And it seemed like Carry on Johnson was due for a breakout year. He got hurt. He's out until at least, at least week 16. So they need to find a semblance of a running game, but the passing game is back and, and it wasn't there last year. And that's probably the biggest positive so far this season. One more coach I'm curious about, and we're talking with Will Birchfield, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. That of course, the Michigan state coach, Mark D'Antonio, they've mm. struggled. They're in trouble. Uh, they're yeah. in real trouble, and it's, you hear a lot more about him than you do Patricia. Could he be gone? I think he could be gone. I don't think that he'll be fired because there's just a lack of leadership right now at Michigan State between an interim president and an interim AD. I don't think they'll have the power to fire him. I think what's possible is that he steps away, steps aside. Um, he's a prideful man. I, I think that would be surprising in its own right. But if he's not there next season, I think it'd be a choice of his own. This Michigan game comes at a good time for him because he's always um, had his team play well against Michigan, especially at Michigan. So we'll see. This is kind of his last stand right now um, going into Saturday's game. Feels like they'll be in that coaching search next season. Will Birchfield, 97, won the ticket in Detroit. Much appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks, guys. Ross, it is a strange team because I remember earlier this season uh, just feeling like this is a playoff team to me. Again, outplayed Kansas City, and that was when Patrick Mahomes was completely healthy, one-point loss to Green Bay. And then I just felt like I looked down on the standings a few weeks later, and and here they are looking like they could get a coach fired. Uh, Dave, totally agree. And I'm not kidding. I, I think this is the – I think the Cowboys might be the best five and four team I've ever seen. And I think the Lions might be the best three, five and one team I've ever seen. This is a, this is, I'm going to go out on a limb 
considering that and say it's the best matchup of a five and four versus three five and one team ever. I mean, the Cowboys, let's just put this in perspective about this game. Dak Prescott should be an MVP consideration. He's having an unbelievable year. Their running back, Zeke Elliott, is excellent. Their receivers for the Cowboys, Amari Cooper, Gallup, Cal- very good. Their offensive line, excellent. Dak has all kinds of time to throw. Zeke usually is able to run at will. The D-line, Demarcus Lawrence, Robert Quinn, pretty darn good. The linebackers, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith. Secondary, probably not the strong suit, but still, Byron Jones. They got some good players back there. It is like bananas, Dave that the Cowboys are 5-4. and four. I mean, it's crazy. And to think who they lost to. Like the Saints without Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I'm sorry, without Drew Brees. You know, the Packers without Devontae Adams. The Jets. It, it, it really is insane that the Cowboys are 5-4. and four. I feel the same way about the Lions being 3-5-1. and one. I mean, I think both these teams, any other year, would be in the playoff hunt. And the Cowboys are, especially in the NFC East. But this is a crazy matchup of two teams that should have better records than they do. And I actually like both of these head coaches personally. But when I go through it, Dave, I mean, when I go through and say that every player is good and Dak Prescott's having an unbelievable year and they're five and four, it's got to fall on somebody. And he's a fellow Princetonian. I like when he does well as a result, Jason Garrett, but it's the reality. I mean, they have underachieved given the players on their team, both these teams. And in particular, outside the division where Dallas is one and four, and this is a tough setting for them in Detroit. If Stafford's healthy, if he plays and everything will Birchfield uh, feels is not true. That was definitely news to me that, that there are some whispers around that, Perhaps Matt Stafford could be shut down or should be shut down reluctantly for the season for the Lions. Yeah, I I think no matter what, Matt Patricia's probably got to get another year, given the situation, at least in the backfield and now with Stafford injured. Detroit is one of the teams that is taking a look at Colin Kaepernick. And given how Jeff Driscoll played, you cannot but wonder if they might have some interest. A lot of people were very angry in the Detroit area when they heard about their team taking a look at Colin Kaepernick as a dozen other NFL teams are. We'll discuss that, the Kaepernick situation when we come back, and a bit more on the stunning fight between the Browns and the Steelers. Miles Garrett, lucky he did not hit Mason Rudolph with the crown of the helmet, could have ended his career and could have been a lot worse. We're back after a real quick break here on a Football Friday on Home and Home. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.